welcome to The Warm-Up, a MoMA PS1 podcast showcasing interviews between warm-up curators and a selection of artists from the 2016 lineup. For 19 years, MoMA PS1's warm-up series has brought together the best in experimental music, sound, and DJs, both local and international, across a wide array of genres. This summer, we're taking time to sit down with some of these artists to talk about their process, their inspiration, the sounds that excite them, and what's to come. My name is Jace Clayton, a.k.a. DJ Rupture, and I'm on the curatorial committee for this year's warm-up. Today I'm sitting down with Yulon Grant, the Kingston-born, Brooklyn-based DJ who makes music under the name Shyboy. She has performed at MoMA PS1, the Fridman Gallery, as well as countless clubs around New York City. She is a member of the artist collective Kunk, hashtag K-U-N-Q, which focuses on multi-dimensional work with sound, visual, and performance art. Yulon is also a video artist, zine editor, and creates work that uniquely addresses issues of class, race, identity, and gender. Shy Boy will be performing at Warm Up on Saturday, August 13th, along with Sadaf, Mum Dance, Logos, Doc Scott, and Special Request. Yulan, thank you for being here with us today. How are you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. How are you? I'm great. I have to say that I'm really excited that you're here in the studio with us today and playing at MoMA PS1's warm-up as Shy Boy, uh, your DJ name. You're part of Kunk uh, and part of a new generation of artists who are doing really interesting things within club space. You know, I call it sort of, I think of it as taking the outside in, you Mm -hmm. know, so bringing in issues of gender identity, queer identity, issues of class Mm -hmm. into the club space, and then tempering that with this knowledge of, in your case, like deep roots in Jamaican music, um, drawing on your childhood there, but sort of pulling all these things together and not the club as a space of escapism, but as a space of, you know, other possibilities. And so... That to us is really exciting to have you do do what you do on the stage at PS1. Thank you. And so on that note, um, for those who haven't seen you perform, what can they expect with your set it? If you haven't seen me perform, you should know I perform strictly about and in like reaction to how I'm feeling that day. Mm-hmm. So my performances are very reactionary <laughs> in that sense, which I think is good. It keeps you on your toes. For warm-up, uh, uh, this will more likely to not be a kind of a soundscape as opposed to a traditional club night. You know, I think about how music interacts within spaces and, you know, it's the daytime, it's 3 p.m., and you're just waking up, it's Saturday, it's summer. Mm-hmm. So instead of you dancing, I maybe, you know, want you to have a panic attack instead. <laughs> so <laughs> it'll be more along uh fear-mongering. Okay, wow. <laughs> so, so 3 p.m., sunny afternoon fear-mongering. Yeah, yeah. Wow. What does that sound like? Or how are you thinking about, you know, sound's ability to transmit these very intense... Mm-hmm. Um, it will sound like all the conversations you've been hearing or avoiding collapsing onto each other with, like, a good bass line. Uh-huh. <laughs> wow, that's, this is very exciting. Yeah, I think it's because I came into DJing through the art world. Mm-hmm. I, so, like, that's my avenue into DJing. So the need to, like, play top 40 hits and stuff like that just never appealed to me because when I was never in spaces where I would really hear the 
I would really hear that and then like be confused because, you know, I grew up here, you know, in the city, so I could just listen to the outside my window. <laughs> so I never need to like be the club to do that. So it just never made much sense to me. Yeah. And so I'm curious about the art world into the DJ world. Like what, what was the spark? What made that transition happen? I've always had an interest in music. Um, family members of mine are musicians or, you know, like especially growing up in Jamaica, you'd have the sound, like sound system culture is a huge thing. Mm -hmm. So, you know, um, I'd just be outside and like go up the street with my mom or like my cousins and, you know, some, like you have someone selling jerk chicken and managed water and you hear the sound system and people having a party. So it's like that environment, that psychological landscape was just never necessary within the club. And I think within Jamaica especially, especially from my experience there, it, like, especially with dancehall music, sound systems, it was reflecting the voices of the people in the mm-hmm. inner city and amplifying that mm-hmm. and speaking on their own terms to their own people as opposed to, you know, someone gazing and trying to explain what's going on. So that was a huge influence. Yeah, yeah, that's really the magic of music in Jamaica, like the sort of, like you said, this collective voicing, street yeah. level and outward. Yeah, it's you can create your own economy from that mm-hmm. you know you have uh, people selling cds or um you know selling peanuts selling shirts doing like you know just creating a, an economy within your community is really important to me and um that's something that i try i try to translate within not only my everyday life but when i dj and party as well and so is that related to this the the whole impulse to join a collective a dj collective I guess um, it was actually really funny because I've always admired uh, Kunk from afar before they started moving to New York. And then um, Marco, false witness, who did uh, warm up last year as well, actually, um, he saw me DJ at Poppy Juice and then was like, hey, so you're a part of Kunk, just so you know now. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> I was like, oh, I didn't even have to like ask. This is amazing. Don't call us, we'll call yeah. you. Yeah, it was great. I was like, oh, you got my card. Perfect. It makes this so much easier. So it was one of the things that I asked you to do today was to bring a variety of sounds, things that we can bounce off and sort of get an insight into into your world. Um, so, so what do you have for us? There's a lot of exciting selections here. I'll start with Miss Lou, actually, because okay. I've been thinking about her a lot lately, especially. Perfect. So with this, I'm playing uh, the great, honorable Louise Bennett, Jamaica's premier um, poet, huge proponent of uh, bringing Jamaica Patois into something that's accepted within the country itself because class issues are super rampant in Jamaica. So even just speaking Patois is just seen as was always seen as something as being a part of the lower class as opposed to speaking standard um, British English. So Miss Lou would do poems and speeches like in Patois. So uh, she she's like really promoting that. And also she was a mental artist. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, mentor is a precursor to reggae, which then like creates all of these things that we examine now in popular culture from grime to hip-hop, dancehall, dembow, reggaeton, like whatever. So it's like this is one of the starts, like Jamaican folk music that uses call and response. So this is Miss Lou, a long time girl. Could you please welcome Dr. Louise Bennett.
Beautiful. Um, yeah, and of course, I mean, you, you mentioned, you know, mento to reggae to the explosion of almost, that's like, we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Jamaica. You yeah. know, all those threads in electronic music and creating sound systems to remix to the idea of getting on stage and performing a record. You know, mm-hmm. that's all kind of, all kind of flowed from Kingston. So, so wild. Such a small country. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh my God. You're like, my you're... family alone is too big. I'm, I'm part of a huge family. There's actually hundreds of us. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, uh, <laughs> I don't know how we fit on the island. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, it's like, I mean, all the, yeah, all the sort of community aspects we're talking about, you know, like have, being able to have your own economy, you set mm-hmm. up the sound system, you've got the food vendors, you can sort of sustain, you know, I think at the height of his popularity, Bob Marley had like 400 or 700 people in his direct employ. Like, yeah. Really, really wild. Um in addition to all that, Jamaica, for me, exists at this nexus point between, um, like, people are making popular music. You know, they're literally, like, music for the neighborhood, music mm-hmm. for for people you meet in the street. Um, but that brings this incredible competition, you know. And so yeah. that people are trying the one-upmanship, um, mm-hmm. which leads to this amazing amounts of studio experimentation um, mm-hmm. and, like, wild kind of, like, unbridled creativity. Um, mixed with the goal of like, yes, we want to have the biggest crowd. Um, so it's a very, very powerful engine. Yeah, and then, you know, that's then translated <laughs> into clash culture, which I'm obsessed with. I, th- <laughs> I think it's the most yes. Jamaican bad mind <laughs> thing you could ever do, just like showing someone how much better than you they are. It's like, it's so obnoxious and it's so, so intrinsically <laughs> So tell us, for those, for those who aren't familiar with uh, clash culture, tell us a little bit about what what, what is a Jamaican sound clash? So the, uh, the biggest clash is the Sting. So mm-hmm. Sting was formed to, you know, instead of like having, as you were saying, like, you know, sound systems would be clashing. Um, so instead of having that balance spill out into, into the street, it's like, oh, Christmas time, Boxing Day, the day after Christmas, you have this huge concert and mm-hmm. your crews show who is better. And then it's based off of crowd, crowd participation, call and response, which, you know, Miss Lou was doing um, in the clip previously mm-hmm. and then it's just seeing how you can lyrically toast someone over the same beat and rhythm yeah so it's different crews different MCs yeah. who are trading lyrics trading bars mm-hmm. and the sort of winner is decided by the crowd by, by the, the crowd. people who's yeah. there and so it's topical lyrics it's improvisation yeah. it's insults it's, it's very theatrical too the costumes the outfits <laughs> <laughs> so, so can we listen to a little clip of a, of a sound clash yes this is uh Bounty Killer versus Beanie Man Sting, nineteen ninety three, which is still to this day one of my favorite videos to watch. It's gorgeous and the costumes are great. Yes. <laughs> 
And so how does Clash Culture uh, influence your approach to DJing and creating sound sculptures on the, in the club spaces? Um, I, I mean, I intrinsically want, want to be like the best on a roster. Competition. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, but like, all the, you know, it's like, it's not like an open competition, but um, it, you know, it's like battling against yourself mentally. So it's just like, okay, I'm doing this, but what else can I do? So mm-hmm. it's like, if I were battling against myself, like how would I trip myself up then come from it? So it's like, I don't know, maybe I should play chess or like figure that out. <laughs> It'll probably be a lot less antagonistic. <laughs> There's yeah. space for antagonism on the dance floor. Yeah, it's, say. it's okay to be cantankerous. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I had a performance like two weeks ago, and then like I had these people, <laughs> they like came to the DJ booth and slowly walked by and shook their head at me <laughs> as they exited. What were you playing at the time? <laughs> I was playing, um, <laughs> I was playing a, a clip from a Black Brunch two, like last year in uh-huh. South Carolina, and then um, they were. The patrons were just not here for it. They're like, not feeling it. They're like, what are you doing here? Uh-huh. So like, oh. But to me, this gets at something interesting because, on the one hand, you're like, yes, uh, like there's a lot of talk about like club spaces, you know, sort of like queer people, like spaces is like, oh, this is a safe space, you know, or like this is kind yeah. of like a family space of the club and it's about freedom and self discovery. And yet, like the way you're talking about it, it's almost, it feels like it's kind of important to have people. Who are walking by shaking your heads? It's like, are you doing your work if everybody loves what you're doing? Because people f- can love it. That's that's fine. I'm okay with people loving it. Mm-hmm. Um, safe space student club. I think that's so interesting, especially in New York now, just because, you know, they've pulled the plug on so many events and venues. Yeah. You yeah. know, it's like only the really big ones are left, uh, and then the small ones are being poached by the cops. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I guess we need to bring by house parties. Uh, yeah. Or, is that- Maybe, Maybe, you know, but then noise complaints. <laughs> <laughs> noise complaints, there's so many people in the city, no one can afford lofts anymore. Mm-hmm. So it's like, um, it, it just becomes uh, that much harder to do certain things. But, you know, there's still some few holdouts that mm-hmm. exist. Like com- commercial pressures leading towards just a more conservative and homogenous club culture here in the, in New York? or um, I think so. And also, you know, I'm, I do think that nightlife does fuel gentrification. So it's mm-hmm. okay, like form a club like uh, here on the outskirts of uh, like in Sunset Park, even when um, I oh, think wow. Virgil Abloh did a huge party, like some secret loft warehouse party down yep. there. And then the, the New York twigs. Times, yeah, and like New York Times referenced it being like the Sunset Park, the new happening mm-hmm. spot. Mm-hmm. You know, the same thing that's happening with Ridgewood, same thing that we saw happen with, you know, yep. Williamsburg, Bushwick, everywhere. So, um, I do think nightlife fuels gentrification, so it's uh, how do you get outside of that and how do you bring ownership within the community as well and how do you actually talk to people in community and how they can help do this Mm -hmm. and not just be like this venue for outsider weirdos who are transplants, uh, you know, and and, and actually don't really care about the culture of the communities that are there and they're just coming to visit, you know. They leave and get to go home to their communities. It's like what happens to mm-hmm. it, the people there. Like local sound. And, yeah. and the caretaking aspect, which is, again, intrinsic to sort of music in, in Kingston, for example. Mm-hmm. You know, this idea of, like, this is the corner, this is what happens. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's like, show some respect. It's not that hard. <laughs> <laughs> and yet, so can we hear some of your music? Um, actually, I would love to, if we could dip into the, a song you produced with your grandmother's voice. It's yeah. Very, very interesting to me. Okay. Fire, 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 fire,
It's so interesting because it starts off as like this sort of documentary moment, you know, it's like, yeah. like you're holding up a phone and, and then things start to get sort of destabilized, that naturalism. Yeah. Um, this was uh, like her brother recently died when I recorded this and she was going back to Jamaica to do the funeral. So in Jamaica, when someone dies, we have nine nights. So it's like nine nights of mourning and celebration. It's mm-hmm. uh, great and long and very tiring because you're just up all day and night until the funeral so um it was before she was packed she was leaving so i went to visit her and like she just kept humming this song i was like what are you singing she's like fire falls on me and i'm like whoa yes. wow. <laughs> it's like okay i'm like can i just like do this real quick yeah so it was, um it was nice like really sad and like kind of weird and still kind of haunting to hear mm-hmm. but um i really love that that recording yeah, and it's also so interesting the context of this because I mean every it's uh, like the sound clash clip in culture. It's very um, it's like this kind of um, almost like a daily moment. You know, it's like mm-hmm. it's about how sounds works in your grandmother's life. You know, mm-hmm. she's thinking about mourning and she was having this this very intense moment. Um, <clears throat> but so this like this is like a very kind of personal and direct relationship with the sound yeah. or with the singer. Um, which it's not like you're not making a like necessarily making like a dance hall rhythm for everyone else to voice, you know? You're like this is something it's so it's almost like a found object. Yeah. Something. Yeah, it was just really interesting cuz she's slightly offbeat. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> just, which is kind of surprising. <laughs> she's like slightly offbeat, but um no one we all have terrible voices. Lord knows we can't sing in my family. It was it was just really beautiful to hear hear her do this and like this being her form of mourning and mm-hmm. like just reconciliation and that sound being a trigger for like memory to happen. Exactly. Yes. But th- I guess then what happens when you if you play this on in a in a club space? What happens if you play it to people who don't know who's singing and they just hear this sort of out of tune? woman singing in patois you know yeah i mean they'll just remember something and not have the personal relation Mm -hmm. to it and Mm -hmm. even the act of remembering something is still important within music you don't have to readily identify it you know in the same way how like rhythms get stuck in your head where you're like what is that you know as long as it triggers a memory i'm good with it can can we hear another actually i'd love to either maybe the um a nancy rhythm Mm -hmm. or the (laughs) guzzam power mix but i'd love to hear a bit more of what you're up to when you're producing so this is a my take on uh, like a junk on Jonkanoo. So mm-hmm. Jonkanoo, so which is the most, which is a lot, very interesting in Jamaican culture because it's not only in Jamaica. I found that they celebrate in South, Car- South Carolina. Wow. And like very specific parts of Louisiana. So it happens in Jamaica, the Bahamas, and like mm-hmm. two towns in America. And- Whoa, and what is it exactly? Uh, Jonkano, J-O-N-K-O-N-N-U. Mm-hmm. So it was. It's like a very folk form of carnival, okay. where you know. So you have um, different characters. It's like 
pitchy patchy pregnant woman police boat house goat head like wow. yeah and those same characters repeat in all these different locations mm-hmm. of Louisiana yeah, weird right yeah it's, it's super yeah it's absolutely amazing so um Within the Bahamas, it's pronounced like that. Then, like, within Jamaica, it's slightly different. It's pronounced like John Canoe, so the name John and then Canoe. And um, the rumor and, like, legend behind it was this, this great, like, Ghanaian warrior and, like, was telling people about their history and whatever, whatever. So this uh, track is a, an ode to one of the characters from from John Canoe, who is, like, usually called Pitchy Patchy, mm-hmm. who is uh, also based off of the trickster spider and Nancy that's very prevalent within West African and Caribbean culture. It's just about, you know, you know, poking fun of supremacy and like those things essentially. So this is uh, a Nancy. DJs and musicians are drawing mm-hmm. on like aspects of folk culture, roots culture, mm-hmm. um, you know, like whatever they're hearing as kids and sort of pulling it into these new kind of dance dance floor context, you mm-hmm. know, like throwing it into Ableton or Fruity Loops or throwing it to the music software and editing it. Um, <clears throat> and so on the one hand, like it's very exciting. You know, it's this conversation between sort of present and past. Yeah. But then on the other hand, if I'm feeling very negative, I'm like, oh, wow, how is this? This is also some form of like resource extraction. You know, yeah. you're, you're taking this this sort of this this thing from the past from a different place and it like it must be improved and it, but it's the raw material that then gets transformed mm-hmm. um so kind of how do you think about what it means to to you know to draw on john canoe draw on a nancy and trickster spirits and then pull them into into the computer in such a way it's, it's how i feel to pull into a computer yeah. Mm. yeah like what is what does it mean to be using folk culture to base contemporary electronic music production it's like a continuation of the cycle, mm-hmm, right? Which mm-hmm. um, could be good or bad, depending on how you use it. Um, I'm wary of like certain things, like genres called jungle terror. <laughs> I find <laughs> oh, it dear. so. <laughs> I think it's so offensive. <laughs> it's like when you hear stuff like that. It's like literally, they're like you hear monkeys screaming in the background, oh, and no, then like, like the worst possible and, sonic like, cliches. And, like, yeah, and then like quote African sounding drums, and then like <laughs> African chants. And I'm like, yes. whoa, you're in the Netherlands. What's going on here? <laughs> That's insane. But um, I think what everything boils down to, like, respect for culture, definitely, you know, this is, like, this is me, like, excavating, like, part of me. I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. this, this is, like, a, you know, and also, you know, going back to the topic of memory, I'm just like, oh, this is what I would hear 
like as a kid, like the day after Christmas, but this is like what I would hear now if yes. <laughs> if I were yeah. to go back. <laughs> you know, like if I could control the festival, like I'd be hearing this instead. <laughs> or like a combination of both, or this could be the after party, yes. you know, after yeah. you're, you're tired of marching. Is that something you're interested in and in taking what you're doing and like bringing it back to Kingston, finding spaces there? Yeah, definitely. Um, space is there for stuff like this to happen. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I think... Jamaica's obsess- like obsession with American culture is good and bad, mostly negative. So it's, you know, if you could have the people actually there making what they view to be popular and take and like offshoots off dance hall and what the new iteration of Jamaican music will be, as opposed to like trying to emulate like American hip hop, mm-hmm. it could just catapult us so much further. Mm-hmm. Left turn question. You also do work as a zine editor. Can we hear a little bit about that? Oh, yes. I mean, cut and paste. It's, it's everywhere. But how does it express itself in the zine format? So bad grammar. Shout out to Justin Allen and Brandon Owens, the boo-boos. Um, was founded in the summer of 2012. So the first zine we actually did was uh, for the House of Ladosha. Mm-hmm. And they were having um, a show at Super Chief Gallery downtown in Soho. And then... They were, you know, just like create this one thing for them, like this physical object of the legacy of what has even become like more notable now than that collective and what they do as friends and creatives. But just like creating this one permanent object Mm. because Justin and I and Brandon, like we all did grow up around like as teens, like around the DIY and like punk scene. So we like those things were like always prevalent Mm -hmm. in our lives. It's like, okay, what if you had... So imagine being like twelve, but like having that for like all the the like the queer black weirdos like you look up to on the internet. I was just like, oh, it'd be the coolest kid ever. So like, <laughs> let's just do that. Great, great. And so, and bad grammar and like, what does what's the relationship with the title to to the zine? Um, like, so about- bad grammar, um, all vowels are missing. So it's B D G R M M R, and it's uh, playing off of the inaccurate. Uh, uh, the inaccurate um, instances of uh, like African American vernacular English uh, or Patois type of dialect uh, that it's an incorrect language and it's not something to be held upon as uh, and like exalted as like a proper language and uh, we just went to play off of that just like okay um, you take our culture it's sort of sort of re package it make money from it but how do we verify what we're doing is okay mm-hmm. without the gaze it's like essentially fubu you know it's for us by us yeah that's so important that's what you said before thinking about the multiplicity of vernaculars yeah you know and like yeah speaking well and like being articulate could actually be a huge problem you know and yeah. person in a very strange power dynamic exactly you know? And so, and, yeah. you know access to language can destroy so many people you know that's mm-hmm. how you know, gatekeepers are held up. Mm-hmm. That's how you stop the free um, transition of knowledge, you know, because if you can't speak to someone in a way that they're understanding, then what's the use of the language? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Great. Well, thank you so much for taking time out to join us and talk about what's going on. And thanks for performing at MoMA PS1's warm-up this year. Oh, thank you. <laughs> My name is Jace Clayton, a.k.a. DJ Rupture, and I'm here with Yulon Grant, Shy Boy, And this has been the warm-up.